Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove today. Joined by Mark Douglas. There's another uh, mixed up schedule, so our podcasts are kind of all over the place, but rest assured we'll try and get them to you this week. This is kind of the... Uh, post-mortem of the Chelsea game but also a little look ahead to tomorrow's game of Blackburn the FA Cup replay and just the general um, misfortunes of following Newcastle United really Mark uh, well yeah I mean it's it's not it's not a positive experience at the moment but you know some signs of life I think on Saturday you know they were a little bit unlucky not to get something out of the game uh, and you know I think that I think that that's something to take from it the problem is results elsewhere going against them is sort of throws into sharp. Uh, now I think I think into very very clear focus that this is going to be a relegation battle for Newcastle United and one that they're um, you know they're going to have done well to to steer clear of before the end of the season. But you know they were in a the bottom three later than this last season, so it's not it's not the end of the world. But with the results coming the results elsewhere and the fixtures coming up, then it it, it is, uh, you know, it's probably going to get a little bit worse before it gets better if it does get better. Uh, you saw about happening as um, earlier this afternoon. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But just on the Chelsea game, first of all, um, Chelsea looked vulnerable at the back at times. And we all know the frustration of that last minute corner. I'm sure corner as opposed to putting it into the box. But it just never really felt like Newcastle knew how to break them down despite them looking like they could have done had they had they really wanted to. Well, I don't know. I think I think in the first half, at the end of the first half, they started to pick Chelsea apart a little bit. I think they they you know it's the counter attack is what Newcastle um, do quite well this season. You know, obviously the corner the corner was a, a they haven't scored with too many corners this season, have they? But they've you know Kieran Clark seems to have a, a knack of being pretty good in the air from 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 them. So you know they did okay there. They did have chances. Perez missed a really presentable opportunity. Um, they also, I think, you'd probably say Rondon should have done better with his header as well. I think they played reasonably well. The problem is not necessarily breaking down teams. It's just taking the chances. You're not going to have too many chances playing away at Chelsea. Um, you know, I just think that it's a quality issue, isn't it? Newcastle missing three or four of their best players, I would say, on, on Saturday. You know, Rondon's probably the most important player to the team. Dubravka then maybe second. But then you're looking at the midfield is so depleted at the moment that it's going to be more difficult to to break teams down. And and the, but the bigger worry is probably Sunday, uh, Saturday, sorry, because Cardiff is, is is a big game. But I thought they played okay. You know, I don't think we, I don't think you're really looking at Newcastle having been overrun in too many games this season. Liverpool probably being the one, I think that you would say that they were they were well beaten in. But apart from that, they've not really been out of any games this season. But they have to do so much right and have to rely on their opposition not being on for, on on it when they play any of the top six. And then they have to take every single opportunity. There's such a small margin for error for Newcastle now. Um, and that's the, that's the problem, isn't it? That they, Really this season, nothing's really fallen for them in those big games. They've gotten close against Manchester United. We're close-ish on Saturday. But, you know, they're going to need to start picking some points up from somewhere uh, in these bigger games because... 
they can't rely, I don't think, on winning every single game against the teams down the bottom. We hope they can. But with other teams picking up down the bottom now as well, they really they need to start finding some some points from somewhere. Do you think that's in the back of Benitez's mind? He knows that if he does allow his side to, to attack a bit more, then they've got to take those chances. And he, he's fully aware that actually, you know, nine out of ten... You know, they maybe won't put them in the back back of the net. Um, no, I don't think I don't think that's why he's playing the way he's playing. I think he's playing the way he's playing because it worked last season for them. Um, they've gone, they've done okay away from home at some of the bigger teams. Traditionally, I don't think they've necessarily won, but they've come close. I think the reason he's playing the way he's playing is because that's Rafa. Um, it's his it's his mentality. He he knew at the start of the season that how they were going to have to play. I think he's very much set it out and I think he thinks that over the course of the season they will pick up enough points playing that way and away from home you know you look at them and they've they've got a half decent record away from home this season so you wouldn't necessarily say he was wrong I think it's at home where I think most of us have a slight issue with the way that he's playing because they're not getting enough points and they're not breaking teams down enough at home and that's the issue um, not away from home. I think if they play the, this way and play with that kind of performance this season, they'll probably pick up enough points away from home to, to keep them in the division. It's the home form that's going to be the issue. And really, I would say, you know, Saturday for me, I think a lot of fans will probably feel the same. It's very difficult to see that game going as, you know, as, as a sort of easy sweep the team aside moment because they don't have they don't have that in the locker this season they haven't played that way against any team so far this season so that's what I'm worried about um, but obviously they've got Blackburn first and that could be a, that could be another uh, another tough game that's obviously a game that Newcastle really could have done without they didn't really deserve to earn a replay in my opinion they, they were they were they were woeful for for large parts of that game against the championship side who I think even Tony Mowbray admitted that team had played most of the the championship running 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 over the Christmas period. They were they were tired, they were knackered, and they still kept Newcastle and, and dominated. You foresee the a similar um, kind of game tomorrow where Blackburn really take the game to Newcastle? Not necessarily. I think Newcastle will probably probably fancy it a little bit more because Blackburn will have to come come a little bit more. Um, they'll have to dominate a little bit more. I think Blackburn what they did well last in the last game. Blackburn was they just pressed Newcastle really really well. Um, and they tired towards the end of the game, which is, I think, why Newcastle got back into the game. And I know Mowbray said that they were knackered. They were, but if you play your first team, if you play the team that played all over the Christmas, I think that's when you're going to more likely to win the game because Newcastle just looked... The problem was you brought players in who never played with each other, who didn't have the match sharpness, and you put them in with one or two players who played a few games, and it was just... A, you know, it's always a formula for trouble, really, unless you get off to a good start. Newcastle didn't get off to a good start. And it was no surprise that they looked better when they brought the players on who, who had played a bit more. So I know Mowbray said that. And, and, you know, I think he was talking his team up quite a lot. But it was it was really a case of, I think Newcastle were always going to pay for the team selection. I think tomorrow's a new game. Newcastle could go and win that game. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, it's, it's a 50-50 game for me tomorrow. You know, I know they're in the championship, but because Newcastle are going to make changes... And Blackburn, probably where they are in the league, they'll probably pick one of their st- a stronger team than they would have done um, if they were in relegation or in, in the promotion race. So I, I think it's a 50-50 game. I do think Newcastle could win it. Um, you know, they'll play enough enough of their first team to think that they might win it. You've got Cal Roberts probably going to play as well tomorrow. Be interesting to see how he does. Um, you know, he looked very good in the Checker Trade Trophy, but, you know, nothing really game, was it? So I think they could they could go there and win. You know, they, they're, they're a lot more... 
Um, they they dominated against Blackburn in the championship season and didn't win. They seem to have a bit of a sign over Newcastle Blackburn and you know let's let's hope they do, let's hope they don't. I, I the way Ruffle was talking today, it was very much a case of you know I think he does want to win the match, um, but you know he's just got a responsibility to balance the team and you know I think being realistic, he's probably right to do that because if they lose Rondon or Dubravka or you know Richie or Perez, then that's a big, big problem for them uh, in the Premier League. And that's the sad sort of reality of where we are with Newcastle. But it's, um, I think it's, even if Mike Ashley was better at sanctioning players, I think if Newcastle were in the bottom seven or eight positions, I think Rafa would probably do the same thing. I think most managers down there are doing it, which is a big problem for the FA Cup. And it's the scheduling is all over the place, really. First week of January, not great, but it's what you have to do these days. But I would love to see them go through tomorrow. It gives them that chance against Watford then, I think, as well, which is another 50-50 game for me at home. Then you're in the fifth round and that, that you know, then you start to kind of get excited about what could happen. But we're a long way off that yet. But I, I think tomorrow's a 50-50 game. Go out and enjoy it. Hopefully Newcastle will be a little bit stronger than they were at home. The mood was all wrong about that game. I think the time of it, 5.30, it just didn't, everything about that spelt trouble to me. I think tomorrow's a little bit more, I'm a little bit more optimistic about tomorrow because I do think that, you know, people are going into it with such low expectations that let's hope that they kind of get dis- disproved, disabused of that notion that they're definitely going out. Now, we spoke about this prior to the game at Jim's Park. We said it was a big game for for certain players, Jacob Murphy was one of them. Hostler was another one. Both didn't really get um, the best of receptions after the game. You know, the fans were th- thought they didn't really perform to, to the best of their ability. Um, and we'll say it again: it is a big game for the likes of Jacob Murphy. Hmm. Um, maybe more so than Hostler, because at the moment Hostler is, is the backup striker yeah. for Murphy, who is probably third, if he's a fortune, probably fourth line on the wings. Yeah, I mean Murphy's been the big disappointment I think of the last two seasons really because not necessarily through his own fault I think Rafa's used him very sparingly um, when you come in and play for a Rafa Benitez team as a winger as an attacking player you know I think that it's going to be a different experience to playing at Norwich where he was really just given free reign every player who, who's an attacking player for Rafa Benitez is going to have to learn how he's he wants his teams to play which is very structured way you know if you're an attacker you play in the way that he wants you to play. You have to, the right movements, the right passes, the right, you know, the right thought process. We saw it didn't work with Mitrovic, but it's working really well with Rondon because he knew Rondon as a character and uh, Rondon makes the right runs. He, you saw him on Saturday, like virtually out of the game really, but you know, he makes the right moves. He does the right things, intelligent player, mature player, right into the right side of his career for Rafa. Um, Murphy, I think has just, I think Murphy, probably is just learning that, you know, he wants to play off the cuff. He's a little bit that, he's got a bit of that, hasn't he? He's got a bit of magic. He wants to play a certain way and Rafa wants him to play another way. And the question is whether Murphy can can get himself into that mindset of playing that 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 Rafa way. And until he does, he won't he won't play. And we saw how Ozzy Perez plays every week. And a lot of fans will look and say, well, why not? He doesn't seem to have that magic about him. Well, he did, if you remember, when he first came in, Perez did could play off the cuff a little bit. Um, but he drifted in and out of games. But the games where he was good, he was very good. Um, and but Perez has Perez has, has taken on board what Rafa wants him to do, and is benefiting from playing a lot of games. Fascinating bit in um, the Peter Crouch autobiography where he talks about 
um, playing for Rafa and Rafa wanting him to play in a certain way and saying, you know, I went 11 games, or I think it was longer than that, 11, 12 games without scoring for Liverpool. And he felt, you know, by the end, he was disregarding what Rafa asked him to do in favour of trying to score a goal. And he did actually score twice in the in that, in that the next game and then Rafa dropped him. That's what we're dealing with for attacking players. And I think that's the problem for Murphy is that he hasn't quite yet clicked with what Rafa wants him to do. And when he does, I think he'll play more and more. But at the moment, it just doesn't look as if he... He looks as if he's low on confidence and he looks like a player who doesn't think that he's going to get a run in the first team. So difficult for him, I think. He's still young. He's still only 21, 22. But, you know, he's not... Doesn't look for me at the moment like he's quite got that Rafa mentality. So what he'll have to do tomorrow is he'll have to... And it'll be easier for him away from home. I think that's the key. He saw him play well against Everton. He's played well in some of the away games. He struggles more at home when I think his instincts are to kind of be a little bit more attacking. Um, Jocelyn is a different situation, isn't it really? Jocelyn, it's just a quality issue. I think with, with Jocelyn, tries really hard, but he just, I don't think he's he's the level that Newcastle need at the moment, but he's what Newcastle have got. So he just has to keep plugging away. He does, he, he has scored goals for Newcastle, not many. Um, but if he can score tomorrow, It'll be three for the season, I think. I mean, if, if Jocelyn gets five or six for a season, um, it's a, you know for a five million pound striker, it's probably a half decent return. The issue for is not Jocelyn. It's not Jocelyn's fault that he's being asked to play in these games. Um, it's Newcastle United's. I don't think Jocelyn should be anywhere near Newcastle's first team. Personally, I don't think he's good enough to play for Newcastle United. I think he's in a Championship season. He might be around there, but. Premier League, he's just not good enough. And, you know, that's not Jocelyn's fault. He's a £5 million striker. He'll probably be on very low wages for, for a Newcastle squad. You, you maybe have him as your third or fourth backup striker, but the problem is Newcastle signed Mutu, who was going, always going to go to the Asia Cup. Um, they brought in Rondon, but he was the only one. They needed another striker, really, didn't they? Um, and they didn't, they didn't bring one in. So Jocelyn's just got to keep plugging away. And I think fans have just got to be mindful of the fact that he is what he is. It's not It's not a player who's very good, who's playing below his level. It's probably a player who has to play really well to match the level that Newcastle need. And he was playing, he did, did have a couple of really good games at the start of the season. Um, but that was not Jocelyn's level. This is Jocelyn's level, which is works hard, can hold the ball up well, sometimes gets other players into play, but misses more chances than he should really. Um, so just onto that, on that selection news, do you imagine it'll be uh, Longstaff to start tomorrow? Yeah, I think he will. I know some people have said he might rest Longstaff, but I think the army will be fit for Saturday. I think, or if, if he's not fit, then he'll try and get him back in. Um, and Shelby's sort of touch and go, less chance than, than likely, but he, but Shelby's is a possibility for Saturday. So I think he will play Longstaff tomorrow again. I think Longstaff needs games anyway. Um, he was encouraging, wasn't he, on Saturday? You yeah, know, definitely. I think he covered a lot of ground, came into the game. It was a tough start for him, you know. The game bypassed him a little bit in the first half, but then he came into it in the second half. He didn't look um, out of place in that, in that Newcastle United no, side. No, not at all. And you would say, is he... I mean, Hayden worked really hard on Saturday. Well, I actually played quite well on Saturday, Hayden. That midfield was pairing was okay. So I think, you know, I'd like to see Longstaff get more games because there's something about him, isn't there? He reminds me a little bit, probably a little bit, you know, people, people will bulk at this. But I watched quite a lot of Jordan Henderson when he first came through at Sunderland. He reminds me a little bit of Henderson in terms of physique-wise. He's he's tall, leggy, can get about the pitch quite well. Um, you know, he can pass the ball as well. 
And he reminds me a little bit of that where Longstaff, when, where sorry, where Henderson was when he came back from Coventry on loan and went into the Sunderland team, and people weren't sure about whether is he good enough. I think Longstaff's probably there, you know, not quite there yet. He probably needs games and regular games, and he, he'll be up and down. You know, he'll be up and down. I think Longstaff, but I'd love to see him because he didn't play brilliantly in the first game against Blackburn. I don't think. I think he was, you know, he was okay. He wasn't brilliant, but you know, that that's him. I. I I really hope that he has one of those games where he just sort of really shows what he can do because he can play. I mean, he did well in League One for Blackpool last year. I think he would have been in the championship. He was going to go to Portsmouth, wasn't he? Um, On loan, which would have been a great move for him um, at this stage in his career. But now he's in the team and he seems to be making the most of it. Do you think in some ways, I mean, development development might be a bit of a a big word, but his progress has been uh, kind of halted because of the situation in Castle Lorraine where Benitez thinks... You can't really throw a youngster into a relegation, a side battling relegation. I think. I think what's. I think Rafa will naturally go to to the players that have already done it for him. So um, Hayden would. I think will always be over Longstaff because Hayden had a whole season in the Championship, and you know Rafa will always look to to that experience. I think over because that's his nature. I think and he he just wouldn't necessarily believe in it. But he's shown with Longstaff here that he will give him a chance because he could have moved other players in. He could have put Richie inside, could have played Richie in centre midfield, which would have been out of position, but he could have he could have played him there um, alongside Hayden. And obviously, you know, he's got Diarmi, Shelby to come back. So I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily that he doesn't trust Longstaff or they didn't, you know, I just think it's, it, it, it's probably come a little bit earlier than he thought for Longstaff. Um, he just needs games, doesn't he? He just needs games to get used to playing in, in this team and, um, there's something about him. I mean, Dummett, people forget Dummett was in that Newcastle team because they had a load of injuries and Pardew had to play him and he took his chance. Same with Carroll. I mean, they always thought Carroll had something about him, but Carroll came into that team because they got relegated and they didn't have anybody else. Carroll took his chance. This is Longstaff's chance. Same with Sterry. Same with Cal Roberts. Cal Roberts has a good game tomorrow. He makes his point. There he is. You know, he's got a chance. That's what it, life is like for a young player in the Premier League. Um, that if you get a chance, you've got to take it. Longstaff took it on Saturday. I thought he certainly wasn't the um, the worst player in the team. He was, you know, I think he was one of the better performers. Took his chance, showed that he belongs. So keep going. Because I haven't watched uh, Newcastle on twenty threes a bit this season. We watched them against Sunderland last week. Carl Roberts didn't really have the best of games, but he still stood out above pretty much everyone mm. else on the pitch. Um, Sorensen, obviously, great goal scoring record. I think it's nineteen goals a season. Um, but calls for him to be put in the first team are a bit premature. And we mm. kind of saw that against Sunderland where yeah. he didn't really do anything wrong, but he, he, there was a few times he didn't really have the strength to hold up the ball. The runs weren't being made. Mm. And you can kind of see why Benitez and, and Ben Dawson have been a bit cautious with, yeah. with this guy because it is easy, easier, it's easy for us to say, to score 19 goals at a reserve level than it is to get mm. seven or eight um, at Premier League level, yeah, Sorensen's doing well where he is, but it's 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 hard for a, a striker, I think, in particular, to be to come in and 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 really show themselves at the Premier League level unless they're an outstanding talent. It's easier for defenders, it's easier for a midfielder. Even Roberts is, you know, Roberts has been in and around the first in and around the first team squad before. You know, John Carver gave his debut at Leicester, and he hasn't quite broken through. And I think. They would have had him away on on a loan this season if there had been the players around 
they, they that didn't happen. You know, Roberts probably wouldn't have been anywhere near the first team if they hadn't had injuries and things. So, you know, I think he played well against Sunderland in terms of, in the checker trade, in terms of, you know, he got on the ball well, looked confident, was willing to move move forward with it. But it's a massive opportunity for him. He went to Gateshead, didn't do it there. Um this is a chance. This is a chance. I mean, he's going to have a career somewhere. I think he'll go away. I mean, Gilead has gone to Shrewsbury, and you know, is having a career there. Um, Roberts probably is not. I wouldn't say it's likely that he's going to be in the Newcastle first team anytime soon. But I think he'll play tomorrow. I think he'll start tomorrow um, because Rafa hasn't got the other options. So, absolutely huge opportunity for him. Sorensen. The, the point is, people are asking for him to play, but they're the kind of people who haven't seen him play. Yeah, we've we've sat down. Lee Ryder's sat down here, watched him play a lot, and Lee just thinks he's not quite ready yet. But 19 goals in the under 23s is great. We've seen a lot of Newcastle sign a lot of players from abroad who come in and and are in that um, under 23 setup and just disappear. Fabio Zambalera, I remember. Um, there's a lot of them. Um, Aaron Spear, all these kind of players. I remember through the years, different Adam different players. Campbell had a superb Adam record. Campbell, Phil Airy, you know, loads of players who had good records at that at that level. Um, or even didn't you know came in with good reputations and didn't and didn't kick on didn't make it. It's very difficult to 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 become uh, you know a, a fixture in a Premier League team. And, and fair play to Sean Longstaff for breaking through because you know I don't think he was necessarily being talked of two or three years ago as the outstanding talent from that academy group. But he's worked really hard and has uh, proved himself because I think they are now talking about him as the outstanding talent from that that age group. So brilliant for him. But in many ways, is is another reason maybe for um, progress being stunted somewhat. The kind of uncertainty surrounding Benitez, surrounding the club, maybe even the negative atmosphere, because we can say the step-up's hard, but surely it's even harder if you're going into a first team where the dressing room maybe isn't in the best of spirits. You don't know where the manager's going to be in a few months' time. You don't even know if the club's going to be, you know... I don't think... I'm not sure the dressing room really... I'm not sure that has a massive impact on the dressing room, the sort of off the field stuff. I think, you know, that they, footballers are quite insular in that way. I think that they'll, you know, especially Newcastle United, we've seen it down the years that Newcastle United, sometimes it can feel like it's being, you know, the whole thing is just going wrong and all these things. And I think sometimes it does have an impact. And certainly with the homegrown lads, I know from speaking to Steve Harper in the past and Stephen Taylor, you know, that those players, sometimes it is like, they are very much aware of everything that's being said about the club because they've got family here and their their family are supporters and they're being asked all the time what's going on and what's happening here and there. But I think for a lot of players who who aren't from here and and kind of just players in there, I think they're quite selfish. They're just not in a bad way. They just they just want the next game to come to be in the team and to keep going. Then they don't. They all want Rafa to stay, but they, I don't think they. I don't think it's it's in their mind all the time that the manager might leave or that the club's not been sold yet. Um, you know, from from some of them perspective, they'd be quite happy that no players are signed to to take their job because they know that they'll they'll play. So I don't think it has a huge impact on that. And I think for a guy like Sean Longstaff, it will just be you know he'll it, just be get on with the job. And you know, I I think it's more it has more of an impact on the fans that that stuff. And the negativity around the club is a much bigger impact on the atmosphere. Um, but you've seen before, you know, everybody keeps keeps saying that Rafa is talking down the players and that's going to have a big impact. But I don't think... That you, we talk to the players and they don't really care about Rafa saying that it's going to take a miracle. They don't think he's underplaying them. They just think, oh, it's, you know, the manager's saying that. But they don't really pay that much attention. I don't think players are plugged in too much to 
what said at the press at the press conference today. Somebody asked, "Are the players talking about what Rio Fernand and Richard Keys said?" I bet it won't. I bet a lot of them won't have even clocked what they said because it was on Twitter. It was mainly a Twitter thing with Richard Keys in particular. Ferdinand, you know, was one thing as well, but I don't think most of the players even know. And Rafa probably only knew because he'd been told by the press team. That's how it is in football. Um, but, you know, you could, the, the momentum comes from positive results. And at the moment, Newcastle haven't got enough for them. And that's probably where it's difficult for Sean Longstaff because the players will be low on confidence. Well, before I ask you about Ferdinand's comments, your score prediction for tomorrow? I think Newcastle can do it. I, I do. I, I think they can... Uh, I think they can win the game and I think they probably... I think they probably will win the game. I'm going to go for it. I think 2-1 after extra time. Oh, I bet Chris Lee will be overly pleased Confident. with that. Um, first of all then, Rafa Benitez's kind of mood in the press conference today. Uh, transfers, um, again, not something that he wanted to talk about. We didn't go on the record, no, and you know didn't really say much off the record either, other than you know my understanding and... I don't think Rafa did it, said or did anything to to uh, kind of contradict this, which is what I've said on a few of the podcasts before, is that they will sign players. You know, I think Rafa kind of, you know, obviously didn't say anything on the record, but I think they will. I think they will. I know, I know everybody out there is saying, oh, you know, we'll never sign anybody, we won't spend any money. No, I think Newcastle will sign players. I think they'll, they'll, they won't be Rafa's first choices. I don't think, I don't think Almiron is dead. Uh, I mean, Ron isn't dead. Uh, we know he's not dead. I don't think the deal is dead. Sorry, I don't think the deal is dead. I think that the um, at the moment it would require uh, the club to come down on the price considerably, which you know they might do because they do they want do they want to like do they want to run the risk of not cashing in. They keep talking about that deal as if we've got you know these agent keeps talking and oh, we've got Bundesliga teams. Premier League teams and stuff, but there's nobody come in yet. And they come back for their, as the American press described it, physicals next yeah. week. New but, manager and, and, and tour as well. But they haven't. Nobody's come in and signed him yet. And this is what everybody keeps. Everybody's um, getting very excited about the fact that the deal hasn't been done yet. And I understand that, and because you know it doesn't feel like Newcastle ever do these kind of deals, and they're obviously not willing to pay the money that uh, that um, do you, Atlanta asked. Do you think what thirty million dollars is probably about twenty eight? Million twenty five. I mean, um, that's, uh, is that a, a risk for a player? Of yeah, Army it's a run? risk. It's a risk. I mean, because he's never played at the level that he would have to come in and play at here. Um, you know, in a world where Dominic Slanky's seventeen million, it doesn't feel like a massive risk from that perspective. But I can understand that. You know, if Newcastle have only got sort of thirty, only got. But if Newcastle. I mean, look, we're going to have to put aside the cynicism that's out there that Newcastle are not going to spend any money and that Mike Ashley is, is not going to give any money to Newcastle to spend, which could be the case. Does not what not what we kind of not what I think is necessarily the case. I do think there is some money there um, for the right deal, quote unquote. I think that what they're trying to do is get Almiron for a bargain price. Now, I think that's the problem: is that they're trying to get him for way under his valuation. That won't happen, and so they, they, you know, it's almost like an excuse in some ways. I think that for Newcastle, and it has been down the years that they've put in bids and they said, "Well, we tried to get that player, but the bid is so low that, or so not so low, but the bid is just so far underneath what the team want that 
you're never going to get that deal. Stretches back all the way to Sammy Hippie, yeah, doesn't it? According, yeah, according yeah. To well, Keegan, so well, Hippie is um, Loic Remy. They could have had. They could have. They could have signed him. Um, there's loads of players I can think of down the years that they've just they've come in and I mean Nikolai Jurgensen last year. They knew the price of Nikolai Jurgensen and spent a three or four days sort of. Well, I think they, they went went in with one bid, and um, they were told by Feyenoord, "This is how much the player is going to be." Newcastle went in way under the bid and we had days and days of, you know, people talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. But it was just like, that's never going to happen. Why are, you, why are you even putting... And I think they moved on. I think Newcastle just said, well, that's our bid. Um, and uh, and they didn't get him. And I think that's, that's the problem with Almiron is, again, and it might be, I don't know whether it's because, as I said, it's an excuse not to do the deal, which it could be. It could be because they could once again go to Rafa and say, well, we tried, which I think has happened before. Well, we tried to get him. Maybe he was your top target. We tried to get him, but we couldn't afford him. Um, so we need to move on to another target. I think that has, sometimes happens with, with Newcastle. With Almiron himself, I think he wants to come to Newcastle. I think he wants to play for Rafa. I think he, you know, from what I hear anyway, his agent really is talking that that move up. But I think at the moment, the, the, the money that um, Atlanta want is not, nobody's putting that on the table. And, um, you know, they're saying Bundesliga teams want him, English teams want him, but nobody else has made an approach. Nobody's come in for him. They'll probably just keep him if if nobody comes in for the price they want. But it might be that they, Newcastle might be thinking, well, maybe they'll come back to us and, and, and knock some price down. How likely is that? It's not happened much in the past. Not happened at all, really. So... Yeah, Almiron isn't dead. I don't think it's there for the for, for you know for future days. But I don't think Newcastle are going to up their bid significantly. So it'll be up to Atlanta to come come in. So chances are low, I think, of that one necessarily happening. But it's not dead. Um, uh, sorry, as I was saying, I do think that there'll be deals done because I think loan market towards the end of the, the window will start to ramp up a little bit, and there'll be players coming in, players going out. They'll you have saw to be foreign, won't they, because of the yeah. Canadian one yeah. deals. Well, Slomani they did on the final day. Dubravka they did on the final day. Kennedy they did a bit earlier. Um, it, there would have to be foreign deals, but there are deals out there, foreign loans, you know, and things like that. But they will happen towards the end of the end of the month. Um, I got the impression. I think that the anger that Rafa has is that the deals haven't been lined up quicker. That's the anger that he's got. I think he knew early on. I think Lee wrote a piece quite early on that he knew his budget was going to be less than he thought it should be which raises massive questions about why it's why they can't give him a budget or a figure of the budget, why they can't tell him how much he's got to spend and why they won't go out and spend that money is, is I don't understand. But they will do something. I'm sure that they will do something. I, I, they've got to, really, haven't they? Well, I think so. Yeah, I, I think they will do. I, 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 you know, I could be proved wrong. And the cynics, this, I've said this before in this window, the cynics about Newcastle United, and there's a lot out there, um, they probably get more wrong than right just by being blindly cynical, not basing it on talking to anybody at Newcastle United or anything, just saying we won't do that because it's something that's positive and it doesn't happen to us. And more often than not, the cynics are right. But what I think it will happen is that they will bring in probably one or two. Any names in the hat or, or is it, do you think they'll be kept right the, until the end? And well, the problem is... a few? The problem is I think there the, the will be... The, the, the way it's been described to me is that what you know they had their first priority targets and they've probably they've not missed out on them but it doesn't look like those are going to happen now so now they're working with a list of about you know 15 20 players that have been put to them by agents which Rafa doesn't really like that's how they ended up with Slamani last year 
it was kind of a, you know, well, he's better than nobody and that's what they ended up getting him. And that's where they are now is that they're kind of like, they're dealing with, we need a right, we need a left back, right. Here's a list of people who might be available. So he's in league and, you know, he, he's got an injury injury record that's not brilliant. Ooh, you know, we're not sure entirely whether he'd be the right man, but he's the right price. So, or he's available on loan. So, you know, you've got guys like the um, the lad at PSG in Soki, I think Rafa always wanted. He's a loan target. I think he could come in and that would, that's a potential um, that's a potential one, one that they could do. Um, but I think now it's gone from being Rafa's top targets to the next level down, which is sort of, right, we're going to, we work with deals and stuff. But Rafa said today um, that, you know, he doesn't want to talk about transfers because, and not because he doesn't think anything's going to get done, because he doesn't, because he's like, well, I want to, I mean, effectively, he's basically saying, I want to get players in, but me talking about it is not doing anything for the opportunity to do it. So he's basically saying the reason I'm not talking is because not because we're not going to do anything, but because at the moment there's nothing to be said and it's not helping me to waste my energy talking about it and, and people misinterpreting it. I think there's a bit of in the background, you know, look, I've pushed and pushed and pushed before in the window. What's the point? It's a waste of energy. Um, he talks to Charney all the time, so he'll know what's going on. And I don't think he thinks nothing's going to go go happen, but it's not going to be the backing that Steve McLaren got in 2015, which, or 2016, wasn't it, in the end? Um, that, oh, no, it was 2015, wasn't it? They got relegated in 2016, 2015, 2016. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be the backing there, um, which raises massive questions about the club and what the hell they think they're doing. Um, but they will sign players, but I think they needed to sign players earlier. They needed to they need to sign somebody in the run up to Cardiff. It would give everybody a, a sort of surge of optimism to see somebody new coming on the pitch. I mean, they it sounds like they might sign somebody. Well, I was going to ask you. Um, his name is Salah. Um, Twenty million pounds, yeah. twelve goals in League One. You know, I'd say that would be just that would be another club breaking Newcastle United's transfer record. I mean, and we all know that you know spending big doesn't necessarily mean success. But yeah. I think I've said before that while it doesn't, it does show your backing, your mind, your trust, and his judgment, mm. and, and a sign of ambition. That Cardiff, all right, they don't just want to survive. They think that this guy might even just boost them up the table, the mid table. Yeah, I mean, I looked at his profile and twenty eight years old, twenty million pounds. Um. Never played outside. I think he's put in league, league in for the last few years. Played for Nantes, not a massive club. It doesn't look to me, and I'm gonna. This is gonna come back to haunt me, isn't it? When he scores on Saturday, um, it doesn't look to me like. I mean, twenty million pounds. That's a lot of money to spend on a player like that. I doesn't. That's not to say he's not a good player, and they've obviously done the scouting work and what have you. Um, but you, you could say that about Solanke. Yeah, he only scores, only scored one goal. Yeah, I don't think Solanke. I think Solanke's totally overpriced. The, the money. But is that not just the where the market is at the moment? You've got it doesn't to, mean that you. It doesn't mean that you. You know, it doesn't mean that that's necessarily what Rafa wants. I don't think. I think what Rafa. What Rafa. I don't think he wants the the guy that Cardiff about to sign. If you offered him to Rafa, he would say, "I don't think Rafa would want him." And we've seen players. You know. Everybody wanted Newcastle to sign um, Kelechi, um I'm going to try and pronounce it, in Iheanacho, um at Leicester. Uh, but he's done nothing. And so we're not always, we, we don't always get it right. I think I kind of want to, 
emphasise that, that like, I think in the past, you know, we've gone down the route of just spend some money and it, it isn't about that. And that Rafa, that's not what Rafa wants either. He doesn't just want them to spend money on any player. You know, Cardiff, to me, that looks like a massive gamble where they are in the league. But they'll, you know, every, they might say, well, we're, it's the Premier League TV money that we're spending. But if you're back in the Championship, he's got no... I do understand the resale thing because he's got no resale value whatsoever and he might be absolutely atrocious. And they haven't... Cardiff have made some bad signings in the past when they were in the Premier League last time. They signed a load of players who were rubbish. Um, so it's not necessarily... I don't... I'm not getting too carried away about Cardiff spending £20 million. It's the fact that Newcastle aren't... You know, it's not about necessarily money in this window because everyone's overpriced. The summer was where they made the mistake. They should have signed the players in the summer because they, they, there was players out there who could have added value to Newcastle in the summer. They could have gone out and got them. In January, it becomes a patch-up job because any player that you sign is going to be way overpriced. They were lucky to get Townsend and because he did so well, they managed to basically make a slight profit on him. Um, but all the other players that they said, I mean, they've got Shelby who, I don't know, Shelby being value for money. For the money that could they, I don't know. I'm, it, you know, jury's out there. Um, they got Save, rubbish. Um, Dumbia, awful. Couldn't get in the team. Townsend, as I said, did did really well for them. And Rafa's been trying to re-sign him ever since they uh, ever since they got the, you know they, they sort of came back up. But it's a rubbish window. Is January? It's not a great window to do business in, which is why I think we were also, you know, annoyed with what happened in the summer. Now it's almost like. You know, I understand the mentality of trying to get to the end of the season and saying and banking the money, which is what they did last January, which is why it's so frustrating that they didn't do anything in the summer and why it didn't make any sense that they didn't do anything in the summer that they should have done. Because, you know, that's that's the time to restructure. That's the time to get the players in. That's what Rafa wanted as well. And now January is kind of honours and, you know, they're scrabbling around for lone players to patch the team up. It's It makes no sense whatsoever. And it, it's indicative of the bad management, really, at the, from the very top um, that, you know, it's allowed, this is allowed to happen. And people who don't understand football don't understand football. They don't realise that if you come to, they understand the business logic and say, you know, well, we didn't want to sign all the players that Rafa wanted because of this, that and the other. But you come to January and it's like, Nobody's doing good business. Name me one. Name me one good signing in January so far. I can't. Who's who's come in? Who's gone to any team so far that's going to make a difference? Solanke for seventeen million pounds. I don't think too many Newcastle fans would be jumping on Solanke at seventeen million pounds. Um, you know, there wasn't many players in the last January window that made a difference. Is it a case though that um, you know? While I agree that the price of both them strike, as we've mentioned, there's totally you know. It's just unbelievable. And, but is it a case that both Eddie Howe and Warnock have gone and said, look, we need goals. I want a striker. Their board have come back to them and gone, right, okay. Here, here we go. And that, yeah. that's what Rafa wants. He wants to be able to say, find me a player to fill this position and then let's get the deal done. Yeah, and I think the the, the relationship between Rafa and the board is, is a strained one now because of everything that's happened in the last two years. Um, and I think that, I, I'm pretty sure that this takeover business in the background that's been rumbling away for two years, that, that I say takeover business, it's it's more Mike Ashley wanting to sell rather than being anything particularly close. That has must have had an impact. I'm sure it has. I'm sure it's being sold to Rafa as that's one of the reasons why we won't why we won't spend, which is no good to him, no good to us, no good to anybody because 
you know, if the club's if the club's down in the the championship next season again, you've wiped however much value off the club. It's it's pathetic, really, that Newcastle don't want to don't understand or don't, don't seem to. It's it's right at the very top that this idea that you know we'll we'll keep counting the pennies because you can be penny wise and pound foolish, and that's what Newcastle are. You know that. They can, they've counted the, the, the pennies over the years and it's not helped them because they got relegated twice on Ashley's watch and very close to being the third time. I think this this time is probably close again. You know, they, they could go down again this year and um, it's just been a draining, draining season. I think Rafa knows that the board won't back him in the way that he wants wants them to. Um, there probably aren't too many boards out there at the moment that, that will back a manager in the way that, um, you know, I think Warnock's probably bought the... Um, the kind of backing of the board because they've they've done better than they expected and so they're not out of it they're they're well in the mix to stay up again so he's probably that's probably the reason why um how i think they've just they, they've, they've got wealth there bournemouth they've got money because they've got very rich owners and um you know rich investors that's that's the problem you know newcastle haven't got that they've got an owner who's not interested doesn't want to put doesn't want to even sanction any money to be spent because he's i think still still bristling about the fact that he's had to put he's had to put extra loans in to cover them in the championship last time I think he feels in his heart of hearts that that's you know that that was that was his investment in Newcastle United I, I got you back into the Premier League now you're my five million pound coach you go and coach him to be better which Rafa's done but he needs a bit of help um and yeah you're right it's it's about the it's about managing up isn't it and um Rafa you know, has probably not managed up because he's not managed to get Lee Charnley and Mike Ashley to see his way of viewing. But, you know, their way of doing things has got Newcastle relegated twice. Or, well, on Charnley's watch once, but on Ashley's watch twice. And how many relegation battles as well? Two, three, three. This will be the third. So it'd be five relegation battles, not just the two relegations. It's been, they got survived on the last day, didn't they? And last year they were pretty close. And then... Carver, yeah, so Carver, they were on the last day and I think they nearly got relegated in, they nearly got relegated the year after they finished fifth, fifth didn't they? Yeah, they were very close. I mean, they were much to be closer. A, a case of not learning from... So I do, yeah, so in summary, they will, in summary, I think they will bring in players um, and, you know, I think Rafa knows that, that they will. And I think he's kind of like, you know, but they're not going to be the, the top players that he wants. So he's not singing from the rooftops about it because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to kind of say cavalry's around the corner he knows it's the cavalry isn't arriving it's going to be half decent players are going to arrive who are going to give me numbers and then we move on but it should, the players should be in now you know it's typical Newcastle it is it's same old same old um, just to wrap up then Mark um, just a sentence on where you understand the latest kind of takeover stuff to be and then uh, let's hear your what I imagine made it into a rant about Rio Ferdinand and Richard Keith. Um Okay, well, the takeover-wise, I don't think anything's changed markedly um, since Christmas, really, which is the, just that Ashley is going to give Kenyon the time to to go and bring this consortium together. But, you know, yeah, there's questions to be asked about what kind of consortium it is, if it's pulling a lot of individual shareholders together. You know, what? what I mean... You know, the one concern that I have is that Kenyon isn't the money man. So if he's pulling all this consortium together, who's the money man? Because the money man is going to be the person surely with the the power. Because if Kenyon's pulling the consortium together and running it, that's fine. But if Kenyon 
sort of two years down the line says, well, we need 10 million to go, or we need 30 million to go and sign this player. And the, it's the money man who's got the power, not Kenyon. So we saw that kind of play out at Chelsea when he called for stability. He sacked Scolari when he was on holiday, if I remember correctly, and he came yeah. back and then left at the end of that season. So, But with Kenyon, the thing with Kenyon at Chelsea was he was an employee. Here he's trying to, I'm not really sure what he's trying to do. It'd be very interesting to to hear from him. I mean, because he, he signed a non-disclosure agreement, he won't he won't say anything to anybody. And, um, but to me, it seems strange that he's not got any money. He's trying to pull together backing to buy it. But he, unless he's putting money in himself, where's the, you know, how, how does that work? I've never heard of that happen before in a Premier, in, in a Premier League. It's always been somebody with money pulling together a consortium. So if somebody's bringing together a consortium, they've got a big stake themselves. Kenyon, I mean, I would think Kenyon probably would be putting some of his own money in, but a very small amount to get a stake because he's not, a, he, he hasn't got £300 million. None of us have, but he hasn't got £300 million. He's got probably, he's probably a very wealthy man, but not, probably hasn't got the money to put loads in. So that's the question, isn't it? But Ashley obviously sees something in this that he thinks he can work with. Um, but it's not going to happen before the end of January, as I never thought it was, really, um, until Mike Ashley... I mean, we were told back in October, Mike, Kenyon is serious, he wants it, but he's a man with no money. What's changed since then, apart from Mike Ashley's Sky interview? That's the big question, isn't it? So, um, But as I said... Uh, in the end of the autumn, sometimes no news is good news. And then that heralded Ashley's interview, didn't it, about a week later. So let's hope again, no news is good news. Um, and, oh, the, the clowns and the circus. Yeah, the three-ring <laughs> circus. Well, Ferdinand is entitled to his opinion. What I feel, and, he, and, you know, look, there is something to be said for the fact that Mike Ashley did back the club in the championship, whereas Ellis Short didn't with Sunderland and they got relegated. Okay, he's coming from that. It would take some. I would like to have some acknowledgement of the fact that Mike Ashley's mistakes have landed Newcastle in the problems in the first place. But um, but you know he's he's entitled to his opinion. But don't come into it with the kind of false information that he did, and don't don't say Newcastle United fans should be thankful to Mike Ashley because even Mike Ashley doesn't think that. <laughs> even Mike Ashley doesn't think that Newcastle United fans should be thankful to him. He's come on. He's They've given interviews in the past and said and apologised for things that he's done. You know, he's not saying you should be thankful for me. He's acknowledging the mistakes that he made and saying, I want to sell it on to somebody who can do it properly. Um, you know, so so Rio Fernandez has been ridiculous. He came over as a spoilt child on Saturday. That ridiculous bit at half time where he said, Oh, I'm not bothered, I'm not bothered with it. He just thought like that was just sounded like a petulant child, you know. Alan Shearer, I think, had sent him a text that basically said you know, what are you talking about? And just ignored it. And it's a shame because, look, Rio Fernand, there is so much to be, um, to admire about Rio Fernand. It's so much to admire about him. And look, look, he's got it wrong on Newcastle United, but the guy was a fantastic player, um, you know, you know, passionate advocate of um, kind of, of anti-racism charities, you know, I think really strong on, on that, you know, supportive of his brother, you know, a guy who, um, has built up brands and things. You know, came from a, a you know pretty, pretty kind of um, tough start in life, and him and his whole family, a you know massive success story. Um, you know, 
what what happened to him in his personal life was a tragedy and I think you know um really you know really impressive individual and it's just a shame to hear him talk like that because you kind of think look just hear 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 the Newcastle fans out and and I feel like there's no way that his business relationship with Sports Direct has not had an impact on what he said you know that's an opinion and he denied it but I feel that has to have had an impact it has to have had an impact Richard Keys one word clown you know sorry just that that tweet was just ridiculous i mean he's you know the stuff he says about rafa benitez is just ridiculous and that tweet was so thick it could make light bend it was ridiculous it was just what are you talking about you know like what planet do you think i mean i don't even know where he, where his head was at you know I, I, it just was ridiculous so I don't really listen to Richard Keyes. Was it was it yourself that uh, tweeted from the Cron account that uh, SpongeBob? Um, it might have been. It might have been. Yeah, it might have been. Um, but you know, look, we had a bit of fun with it, didn't we? Because it was so stupid. It was just like that's the problem, isn't it? If Richard Keyes wants to portray himself as a serious figure in football, then you know, don't say things like Rafa Benitez should spend his own money on players. Do you think that the reaction, um, obviously? guys up here in the, the, the pool have all been beating the drum about Ashley and the, the figures of money and not backing off for, for seasons but there's been a bit of a national reaction where some journalists have, have, have just questioned what them two have said and it, that's kind of suggesting that whereas before Newcastle fans felt those outside of Newcastle didn't really understand you had certain journalists on certain papers and certain radio stations basically taking the mick out of Newcastle mm. fans for being over expectant or, or cry babies yeah. the, the tide's kind of turning now and, and, um, and, it's, and they can yeah. see the frustrations for what they actually are I think, the, I think the point was that I think people used to say that about Newcastle when the team was doing when the team was doing quite well and Newcastle fans were you know would, would be pilliard I think because they, they they felt that oh well Newcastle fans think that they they should be in the Champions League every season and I think what's happened in the last two or three years is that people have seen the reality of it is that actually Newcastle fans are still turning up in massive numbers with a team that's been relegated twice and, and hasn't done anything and, and Newcastle fans have been massively supportive of Rafa Benitez and and it's not about you know it's not it's not about just having a team that wins every week and and is in the Champions League and winning the league and I think what's happened is that they there was this previous kind of idea that, that Newcastle fans were totally, you know, difficult to work with, you know, which I think a lot of managers who who left said it, but you don't see that managers say that anymore. You know, you don't see that anymore, really. I mean, even Pardew didn't say, hasn't said that about Newcastle fans. I think he knows that he got a very fair run of the crack of the whip at first and it just became difficult for him at the end because he stuck up for Mike Ashley. That was, in my opinion, what, what happened there. And I think that it has changed because I think a lot of people have now seen seen that reality. And I think, to be fair to the fans, they've they've banged the drum. They've they've been their own pressure group, really, in educating people about what Newcastle United is. And a lot of people, a lot of the the national journalists as well, when they come up here, um, see it with their own eyes, you know. And it is about you know. I think what what's happened now is we've demo, with the whole media has been democratized a little bit and. You know, social media means that we we interact a lot more with supporters. So we're, I think, as media, we're a lot more careful about the stupid things that you say sometimes. Because if I just was to say um, Nottingham Forest, you know, oh Nottingham Forest, think they're the bee's knees, I'd have two hundred Nottingham Forest fans on my case straight away. So you have to think, which is quite good because it's a bit of a check on what you say. 
So you have people like, but what the alternative is that you have people like, you know, Ian Abrahams obviously said what he said about Newcastle fans and all that. And you wonder whether some of that is just to give, to put themselves in the picture a little bit and be talked about. And Richard Keyes knew what he was doing yesterday. And he, look, Richard Keyes is working for Being Sports, which is a huge network in, in Doha, but he's not talked about in England at all anymore because he hasn't got a platform to be talked about anymore. So they've tried to change that a little bit this season by putting all of his stuff out on Twitter and stuff. And okay, they're getting mocked for for saying daft things, but they're being talked about and that's all they care about because people are getting more follows, he gets more more people clicking on Being Sports links, more people tuning in, what are they are going to say next? Um, and that's how the media works, unfortunately. And really, that's why we decided not to run any quotes from Richard Keyes and Andy Gray earlier in the season, which we made an exception to yesterday because it was so there was so much outrage and so much outcry that we we kind of changed that. But um, that's unfortunately it's a sad tale of how the media works these days, um, you know. But we know that the good thing is that really it wasn't a case of even a lot of neutral fans I think there were I saw a few fans saying oh well Rio Fernand's right a lot of them Sunderland fans (laughs) Um, but even they even the Sunderland fans are sort of saying oh well you just can't have an opposing opinion about Mike Ashley anymore I don't think any of them were saying Rio Fernand's right they were saying well Newcastle fans won't let you have an alternative opinion about Mike Ashley anymore because they jump on you and I don't think that's necessarily true but you know, it's all very well other fans, fans of rival teams saying this, but, you know, it's just not true, is it? So I think actually in some ways quite quite good because it gave something to talk about other than the match. Distracts from Yeah, re- I mean, re- like I hope Rio, I remember Ian Wright at one point was kind of winding Newcastle fans up a little bit about Alan Pardew, wasn't he, at one point? And now Ian Wright, I think, is probably, I mean, I really like Ian Wright anyway because I just think he's, I think he's class. I just think he's a great. I just think like brilliant, brilliant character. Um, you know, when you read about what he came through and stuff and all that, I think he's absolutely brilliant. And it's brilliant that he's now massive advocate, passionate advocate of what Newcastle could be. I think I think Alan Shearer's got into him massively, hasn't he? Alan Shearer is a because he's such an influential person in football. He he has a big say. So you see a lot of these pundits who know um, Big Al. You know. He's told them what what the reality is, so now you've got that 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 sort of way because he's a great advocate of Newcastle United and what they should be. Um, so you see real, you know, really strong, authoritative voices like Ian Wright, people like that, talking about Newcastle and how great they are. So we we're seeing a lot more of that now. They are getting more of a fair crack of the whip, and I think you know people like the Magpie Group giving giving a platform to, to the voices has it's been, you know, it's been really, really positive this season. It hasn't reflected in the team, but I think it might be right, you know, maybe the tide is turning a little bit, but shame to see Rio do what he did because I do think he's a, you know, I do think he's a credible character and I, I you know, I, I, I've always liked his punditry in the past, but he just came across as a bit like a spoiled brat on, on, on Saturday because he just felt like he didn't want to listen mm. and he looked annoyed with Jake Humphrey and he sort of, Given him the the true facts, he looked annoyed about that. Um, but you know, there you go. Well, there's a lesson for your kids. Um, you can tell them that they should always do their <laughs> research. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Joining us. Just a word on our live talking. There's just 14 tickets left for our talking on Thursday the 24th, and um, we've added Super Mac, Malcolm McDonald to the panel as well. Um, so get them five pound in. Includes a pie and pea supper, and that five pound will go to the food bank. Um, so 
Oh, and wow. Wow. wow, as we're just about to wrap up there, um, David Wagner has just left Huddersfield by mutual consent. Wow. Um, go on then, Mark. <laughs> well, I'm absolutely... I thought he'd be safe as houses. I'm, I'm astonished. It looks here as if he's, he's made the decision himself. Um, he's decided to, to leave because he, um, he wants a break from the rigors of management. Now, that's a, that's an amazing one, isn't it? It really means that every team now in the bottom six bar in Cardiff and Newcastle have changed manager. I suppose the, looking at that though, you could say that the Ranieri didn't really have that kind of new manager effect and you would hope that Huddersfield won't either, but there's always that risk, isn't that? They go two or three wins that you usually see when you change managers. Big surprise. I I mean, what he's done for Huddersfield Town, he has transformed that football club because they were a lower mid-table championship club. They were favourites for... for, uh, They were favourites for relegation this season that they went down. He came in when they were plodding along sort of lower reaches of the championship. They never in their wildest dreams would have thought they were contenders for promotion. They very nearly pipped... Newcastle and Brighton that season, they were brilliant that year. They were probably one of the, the surprise stories in the entire football world that year. Stayed up last season. I don't know how, probably didn't deserve to, to be honest, the way they played, but got enough points. Wouldn't, you know, they had such a good start. I think it got them through the season. Um, he leaves them having transformed that football club. Um, and I'm just shocked that he's that he's left because I would have thought that they would think that even if they went down this season, he would be a good candidate to to um to, to get them back up next year. Yeah, but he obviously thinks that he's gone to take them as far as he can. Um very interested to see who comes in next there. Yes, it will be uh, and to see the impact Joking that'll in. have. Alan Pardew. Oh let's have Alan Pardew in there. I'm sure his C V will be popped in. Sam um, Big Sam. Well that would be that probably would be the, the name that most people would turn to. Oh dear, that, you wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want that actually, because that would probably be a little bit more, a little bit more uh, kind of, you know, it would maybe think, make you think, well, you know, I could, you could see them picking up points here and there. Um, be interesting, be interesting. They obviously haven't got, they obviously didn't know it was coming, so they probably haven't got anybody lined up. Um, they looked a bit too far gone at the moment to say that they could come back. They're eight points, I think, aren't they? Didn't, and they've got a, some tough games. Manchester City coming up next. They've got some tough games, but Newcastle to come, haven't they? Newcastle never get the teams when they're on the, the low point, do they? They always get them with new manager bounce or whatever. But um, yeah, that's an intri- intriguing, another another very interesting uh, thing to to kind of consider. But well, that's most, very interesting. Most certainly. Um, well, we're going to get out now and probably write something up about that. So let's say thank you very much for joining us. Just head over to um, chroniclive.co.uk for all the latest in Castle United news, including details on how to get your tickets for our live um, talking on January the 24th. Thank you very much.